You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So a bit of a complication. Um, the internet appears to be out where I'm at right now. So that kind of stinks. Um, I'm going to try to record this using my phone as an internet source, which is not great. going to be moving at a snail's pace trying to pull stuff up. And um, hopefully it kicks back on at some point so I can actually upload this and um, can get some podcasts up and whatnot. But I'm a little little nervous about this one. Um, I'm guessing you can guess what we're talking about today. If I had to guess. You know, I had um, seen on Twitter somebody was kind of complaining about media bias. And somebody that wanted to kind of argue at that point mentioned there have been more Packers people critical of this than the national media. And um, I think that was meant to be sort of a retort, like you're taking this too far or you're being ridiculous. But actually, I think that was a really good point. And I don't know that it's not true. Now, I've said, I think overwhelmingly the fans like this draft. Some didn't. I get that. But for the most part, as far as Packers drafts go, this has been very popular. But there are several people in the media realm, especially in Green Bay media, that seem incredibly miserable right now. And they're making that very well known. And um, I think we may have just reached the apex of that. Because the most anti-Packers draft people officially have their holy Bible. They have their holy text. And Bob McGinn wrote it. And it was interesting because I've been trying to avoid it, but... I don't really like to pile on and whatnot, but Peter Bukowski has made it very well known he's not happy with this. And the only reason I bring it up is because he used this as sort of a resource. And the way he kind of went about it was, oh, by the way, I just kind of found this random thing. And, uh, oh, look, they kind of agree with me that this wasn't a very good draft. Interesting. And it was very, it was very sly. And I saw that and I was like, wow, that's surprising. Doesn't mean a ton, but I'm interested in reading that now. And I'm, I'm so... <laughs> It's not true because I'm an entirely jaded and cynical person, but even when I saw the, the title of the article, I didn't quite fully understand what was happening. Here's the title. It's uh, McGinn, Red Flags, No Stud Wide Receiver, Define Brian Gutekunst's Fifth Draft. In my mind, I, I, I guess I thought maybe, first of all, he was talking about wide receiver saying, like, we don't really need a stud wide receiver. And red flags, I just thought, I, I don't know what, I don't remember even what I thought there. Like, it's, it's a, a diversion from what they normally do, and they're okay with more red flag prospects because if it's, it's a win now kind of a, a season. In other words, 
I was so innocent and ignorant that I thought Bob McGinn was actually trying to have an intellectual thought about what we learned about this draft class. And again, I've referenced Bob McGinn and the stuff he's written because it's very useful. He's gone through and given us insider information from scouts, um, both positive and negative, about all these different prospects. Just here's what they've been saying. And I found it interesting because there's such a wide range of opinions. You'll have He'll, he'll talk to five scouts, and it'll range from this is the best prospect I've seen to this guy's trash and I'd never draft him, which kind of really brings into focus how wild this whole process is and how inexact the science is. And it's kind of funny, too, because, you know, I vacillate back and forth, and, and generally I, I just don't like absolutes, but, you know, I'll, I'll pick on, like, the stats and numbers community and then kind of pick on the, the film community. But I tell you what, there, there, there's hardly any bigger blow to the film community than the fact that those guys have zero agreement on anything. I mean, the fact that you can have five of the top of the top stare at the same film and have zero consensus, but yet I'm supposed to trust the film knows what the stats don't. Really? What does the film know? Because you put five scouts in a room, have them watch one game, and some of them are going to walk away and say that guy's great, and some of them are going to walk away and say that guy's garbage. Doesn't sound exactly like an absolute process to me. Sorry, film community, that's a big, that's a big uh, issue for you to have to overcome. But anyways, the point is I've been very annoyed with just how much attacking there's been. And as I've said, I don't mind certain critiques and having certain opinions. I I just know that we don't know anything, and I don't really see any reason to be anything other than positive if you are a fan. If you're a national reporter and you don't think it's going to pan out, you should say that. But the other issue I've had is that a lot of the arguments are just stupid. They're, They're inconsistent. The, you know, conclusions don't follow the premises. And so I, I just get very easily annoyed by that kind of stuff. But this was this was going to be big, right? This article right here was going to be the defining moment. The, the sort of the, it was the thing that was going to tip the balance, or at least I was scared that it was going to tip the balance and prove that um, people like Peter and everybody else that are not happy with the draft are the ones being objective, and people like me are the ones that are not being objective. I'm the one being biased when everybody out there realizes that this was kind of a bad draft, right? The scouting community, everybody else in the NFL, the, the entire um, 31 other teams out there are laughing at the Packers right now, the same way that Sean McVay literally laughed at Bill Belichick when they picked uh, the guy out of Chattanooga, Chattanooga in the first round, which is a hilarious clip if you haven't seen it. He went back and apologized for it, but it was pretty fun. So I, I, I was like, all right, you know what? I need to read this article because it sounds like there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of interesting information. I mean, shocking. It, it, it was also kind of a thing where something didn't quite add up. Like, it was so 100% in one direction, it surprised me. But I was like, I, I need to see what this says because it sounds interesting. And then I opened it up, and I saw the first paragraph, and I stopped reading it. But here's what the first paragraph says. Based on his lackluster track record, maybe it was too much to expect general manager Brian Gutekunst to work the board, fully utilize his extensive draft capital, and come away with the N- from the NFL draft with a solution to the Green Bay Packers' blatant need at wide receiver. Here's what the second paragraph says. Instead, Gutekunst waited when he should have pounced in round one, and then pounced when he should have waited in round two. What do I know about this entire article? I know that the rest of the article is useless. I know that from the, from the start. Bob McGinn has just telegraphed to us in the beginning of his article. This is a... I guess a journalist. I don't know. Supposedly a once very respected journalist. Then he has to understand how this works. Here's how this works. When you 
tell me right away that you have this level of bias toward this class on completely unobjective things, because what you're saying is your opinion. First of all, the, the first, based on his lackluster track record, and, and I wanted to look that up just to make sure, you know, it doesn't, maybe I'm reading too much into the word lackluster. Here's what it says, lacking brightness, luster or vitality, dull, lacking in sheen, brilliance or vitality, dull or mediocre. So there's two ways to read into lackluster, in my opinion. One is stupid. The other is boring. Well, maybe if he just means boring, he means not being aggressive and whatnot. But we know that that's not true because he loves to trade up and he literally just did that in the second round and he complained about it. So let's see. Let's read the rest of this and see, does it sound like he's saying that Brian Gutekunst is stupid or boring? Maybe it was too much to expect General Manager Brian Gutekunst to work the board, fully utilize his extensive draft capital, and come away with NFL, the NFL draft with a solution to the Green Bay Packers' blatant need at wide receiver. Instead, Brian Gutekunst waited when he should have pounced and pounced when he should have waited. Does it sound like he's calling him boring or stupid? He's calling him stupid. Maybe it was too much to expect general manager Brian Gutekunst to work the board. That's the second part. What do you mean he didn't work the board? He didn't fully utilize his draft capital and come away with the solution to wide receiver. And, and again, the other thing that immediately made me so angry is the fact that this is so stupid. It's one thing to be really angry. It's another thing to be really angry and really dumb. And I don't know how you've been doing this for so long and you. this is how your brain works. I don't, I mean, this is so boring. This is so like 101 type stuff. You know, I, I, as you start doing this for a while, you, you really start to learn a lot of things. I remember guys like Vic Ketchman, and it felt like every time I read his, his writings, I learned more about just how this stuff works generally. And as you, as you do this, and as you, you know, read more and learn more and listen to, to GMs and scouts. And, uh, you know, you just, you just slowly pick up on things that doesn't make sense. And then over time, things start to make sense and everything comes into focus more and more and more. But it seems like there's a certain breed of people that, you know, I've always said, whenever people say I'm perfect just the way I am, don't ever say that. Don't ever believe that. If you're perfect the way that you are, then there's no reason or, or ability for you to change. You can't get better if you think you're perfect. And I feel like there's certain people, especially in the media community, that are that way. They're not trying to learn. What is there to learn? I already know everything. And so you can get guys that have been doing this for as long as I've been alive that still have the most basic, ridiculous opinion of how the draft should... I mean, man, I mean, people that are stuck on wide receive, I just... It's incredible to me. It's, it's been a boring narrative for what feels like 10 years. The Packers need a wide receiver. 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 It's so unbelievably boring. And I know we just lost Devontae. I get it. And let's, I'm not even talking about the, the, the second-round guy. We're not even there yet. I'm just saying the, the first part of this, let's just pretend we're only talking about the first round here. The fact that he couldn't find a way to fix their blatant need at wide receiver is inexcusable in Bob McGinn's mind. The reason that is so basic and stupid is because it doesn't acknowledge a very basic reality that you can't manifest what you want into the NFL draft. The NFL draft gives you something and you have to take what it gives you. This was a weak class at the top. I'm not just talking about wide receiver. I'm talking about everything. There was no elite wide receiver in this class. None. And they still went way too early. 
But Bob McGinn still wants us to package both of our first-round picks to trade up to get a guy like, oh, I don't know, Traylon Burks. Apparently, that would have made him happy. Instead of Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt, we should have traded up and gotten Traylon Burks, a 225-pound slot receiver. That would have made everything perfect, because then we fixed our wide receiver. Then it's fixed. How do you know? And again, this is, this is the basic thinking that annoys me to no end. How do you know it's fixed? Do you actually think it's fixed? Are, are the fact that we don't have a number one wide receiver that's fixed with Traylon Burks or Jahan Dotson? Is that, is that true? Of course it's not. You're telling me you feel good about that? It gets more ridiculous, but I'm just, just on a very, I mean, this, this is basic 101 type stuff that I shouldn't have to explain to anyone, much less Bob McGinn. The Packers wanted a wide receiver. They had guys that they liked and they had a certain value on them. To massively overvalue that because you want them to be as desperate for this, this one thing as you are is insane. Again, opinion, the second paragraph here. Instead, Gutekunst waited when he should have pounced in round one and pounced when he should have waited in round two. So trading two first-round picks for a guy like Traylon Burks would be a great value. Trading two second-round picks for a guy like Christian Watson is terrible, despite the fact that they were both kind of mocked in that 22 range. Now, again, can be your opinion, but if your opinion involves Traylon Burks being this elite wide receiver, and Christian Watson being some garbage wide receiver, I think that's silly. I think Christian Watson is a better receiver in terms of what the Packers need than Traylon Burks or Jahan Dotson. And I don't think we can get Drake London. So maybe Garrett Wilson? I don't know. He goes on with his tirade. And again, the problem is he's going to try to back this up after proving to us that he has, he's completely not objective, which makes this article useless. I mean, you're a reporter and you're telling me that, that this article is useless, that I'm going to rant and rave and I'm not going to provide any insights. And any insights I provide are not to be trusted because instead of just objectively saying, here's all the information I could find and I'm giving it to you, which is valuable to me. Instead, you're saying, I'm mad. I'm throwing a temper tantrum. I didn't like it. I liked Traylon Burks. I don't like Christian Watson. And I'm going to go out and find evidence to prove that I'm right. And I'm absolutely going to cherry pick that data. And he is. Continuing on. So after letting the prolific Devontae Adams walk via the trade route and speedy Marquez Valdez-Scantling depart via free agency, the Packers not only find themselves without a number one wide receiver from the look of it, without even a legitimate number two. So this is what's staggering to me. First of all, as again, nobody should have to explain to anybody, much less Bob McGinn, they didn't really let Devontae Adams walk. I mean, they did, but you make it seem as though there were a lot of options here. There were not. They were forced into a corner of, of Devontae leaving, and they got a massive haul out of it. And as far as Marquez Valdez-Scantling, if you believe we should have kept him, then th- th- that is, well, I guess it's kind of on par for all your other comments, which have been unbelievably stupid at this point. But nobody on planet Earth should ever have paid Marquez Valdez-Scantling as much as he made. And it's it's a to be completely honest, I was kind of out on Marquez, just period. As in, I don't really care what he wants to get paid. I don't really want to pay him it. He has done almost nothing for this team. I'm sorry. Well, he's got speed, and that helps our offense. Great. So go find somebody that runs four two eight. Any literally anybody. Go grab a track star out of high school. I don't care. But the 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 final part of this is the most staggering to me. Because remember what he's complaining about. We should have gotten. He's mad that Gutekunst didn't solve this problem, implying he could have solved this problem. 
Here's what the final part of this paragraph says. The Packers not only find themselves without a number one receiver, but from the looks of it, without even a legitimate number two. What he is saying is that Traylon Burks is a number one. Christian Watson is a number three. That is a heck of a drop-off. Now, again, I don't believe that even he thinks that. I think he's just throwing a temper tantrum because that's so insanely stupid. There's no way that he actually believes that. So this is him throwing a temper tantrum, but that is what he's saying. If you would have traded up for a guy like freaking Jahan Dotson, you would have solved this problem. You would have a number one wide receiver, or of course, Chris Olave, which maybe that's, maybe that's what he's just throwing a fit about is Chris Olave, which again is an undersized number two wide. I mean, definitionally, that's, that, nobody even argued that. He is a, he's going to be a great number two. Jahan Dotson, by the way, exact same thing. Traylon Burks, by the way, exact same thing. Nobody is saying Traylon Burks is a number one. Drake London, although Drake London is built like a prototypical number two also, usually those big size guys are kind of like your number twos. I think Garrett Wilson is the only guy that I think maybe kind of fit that number one mold. But even that, as I said, if you're looking for a true number one X receiver, George Pickens and Christian Watson are kind of the only two guys that fit that mold. And as far as like NFL ready today, I think Pickens is probably that guy, but injury history and off the field stuff, not super great. But again, the implication here is that the first round guys are number ones and Christian Watson, as well as uh, Romeo Dobbs and, and uh, obviously Samore Ture, th- these are not even number twos. You see what I mean? Like you can't read this and not hear a guy just throwing a temper tantrum. This is not objective. This, this is not rational. This is not logical. This is emotional and it's pathetic and it's embarrassing. You're supposed to be a reporter. And again, the fact that you got guys like Bukowski who are using this as like, oh, look, it turns out I was right all along. I have not even gotten to the part where he gives us information. I'm just hearing a temper tantrum, and it's so embarrassing to be a grown man and to throw this level of a temper tantrum about a freaking NFL draft. We don't know how any of this is going to pan out. For all we know, there's three wide receivers that are going to be any good, and they're third-round guys. We have no idea who's going to pan out and who's not. And you're going to throw this level of a temper tantrum. You're supposed to be an objective journalist. Go out, find information, and present it. That's it. This is, this, is, this is embarrassing. I mean, again, it's one thing if, if, a, if a podcaster like me comes on and is, is just ranting and raving about something stupid. Okay, fine. I do that from time to time. Here's my opinion, and I'm just going to rant and rave about it. But at least I try to back it up with something rational. This is, this is, none of this makes any sense. What is this? He goes on, and again, just just the absolute arrogance and just, like, pettiness. Like, this is schoolyard garbage. Like, na-na-na-boo-boo. I'm going to steal your lunch money. Just putrid nonsense. Here's what he says. Let's hear it for the number threes. The Packers have three or four of those. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's just incredible to me. First of all, it's, it's disrespectful to Alan Lazard. And Alan Lazard has always been disrespected. And granted, I've been kind of one of the ones disrespecting MVS. But I've also said that the general... It, it's funny because MVS is simultaneously overrated and underrated. I think he's overrated by some Packer fans as like this legit number two guy. But I've shown you the numbers. As far as number twos and number threes, the Packers have never been that bad of a team. That it's, it's always been projected as Devontae's this number one and like Lazard and MVS are like fours and fives. Like there's, there's a huge steep drop off. And I've compared the grades and there, there, there isn't. Like the, our number two compared to their number two, whoever that is, it doesn't really matter. Call it Lazard. Is like 15th-ish. And then MVS as a number three would be ranked like 10th. 
Because although he's not graded out super great, when you look at the NFL as a whole, there's generally pretty steep drop-offs from 1 to 2 and 2 to 3. So, in other words, they're, they're doing fine. That's always been the case. But no, they're, they're, we don't have number twos. We have a bunch of number threes. And we just drafted a bunch of number threes. Because apparently, either you draft these elite Devontae Adams first-round prospects, or you, dra- you get a bunch of number threes. Continuing, the Packers have three or four of those, talking about the number threes. After standing pat with their motley crew of tight ends, they're likely to enter the season without a single target that would scare a defense in a game becoming more tilted toward high-flying offense by the year. I, I hate to do it because it's an overused thing by Packers fans, but it is worth noting once again. It'd be, just because I, I, I would love to know how he would explain it. How does he explain the Packers being 7-0 without Devontae? How do you explain that? And you could say it's a small sample size if you want, but it's not. You take a garbage team and, and t- take, take the Bears and tell me what their record is going to be the first seven games. What are the odds that they go 7-0? I can tell you right now it's zero. You don't accidentally stumble your way to a 7-0 and zero record. I, I, I just want to know how those two things are reconciled. You cannot win in the NFL without elite wide receivers. Not just one, but you need multiple. That's the reason everyone's been screaming. And again, I don't know why everyone screams at the Packers, because there's like two teams in the NFL with two good, good, really good wide receivers. But they've been screaming that it's not enough to have one wide receiver. You need another. Maybe even three, which again, I, I, I can think of one example of a team ever that's had three really good wide receivers. I mean, in recent history, the Packers had it way back in the day, back when they were losing constantly in the playoffs. But how do you reconcile? You cannot win without top-tier wide receivers. The Packers went 7-0 and without top-tier wide receivers. Explain that to me. I'm not saying it's ideal. Of course it's not ideal. It's not ideal to not have top offensive line either, and Seattle found a way to win without a great offensive line. I'm just saying you can't be so dogmatic about it. And, 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 and I'm completely ignoring the part where it's entirely possible we do have good wide receivers on this team. We drafted three of them, and we got three additional undrafted free agents on top of that. We have Amari going into his second year. We have Randall Cobb, and we have Alan Lazard. The fact that we don't have any number twos, you're being a baby, okay? You're just being a giant baby right now. Continuing on, now Gutekunst must turn like never before to Aaron Rodgers and hopes he can make it all better. Only Rodgers, the NFL's top paid player, expected that the organization would retain Adams. Oh, I see. Oh, oh, yeah, right. I forgot how this article turned. So here's how the sentence was supposed to be read. Only Rodgers, the NFL's top played, paid player, expected that the organization would retain Adam. In other words, Gutekunst is depending on Rodgers. He, he, ma- so, it's, it's, it hurts my stomach to do this. Sorry, I keep pausing, but it just, it, it pains me. So in his view, first of all, Gutekunst knows he messed up, right? I mean, th- this is just painfully obvious to Bob McGinn. Because he's so up in his own head. He, he can't see a world in which anything is different than what he thinks. So we went through this draft, and everybody, Brian Gutekunst, Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, they're looking at this going, we are screwed. And Brian Gutekunst looks at his draft class and looks at this roster and just says, I don't know what we're going to do, guys. I, I royally messed this up. Rodgers, I really need your help. <laughs> For some reason, I just got a vision of... Um, the movie that Michael Scott made that is just so ridiculous and so stupid. But it's just, it's just like a really bad movie. And you turn to Rogers, and what does Rogers do? Oh, really? You think I'm going to help you? You let Devontae go. You said you'd keep him, and you let him go. I'm not helping. This, I'm, I would never help you. But don't worry. He's not just going to sit here and praise Rogers either. Because God forbid there's a single thing in Green Bay, Wisconsin worth, you know, praising. 
enjoying, not slandering, continues, Selfishly, Rodgers is refusing to show up for the voluntary offseason program, even though every minute he could spend with the three drafted rookie wide receivers and often injured Sammy Watkins, the veteran retread. Again, again, again with the frickin' sideways BS shots. He can't even say a player's name without throwing a shot at him. The veteran retread. You can't just say, you know, it would be beneficial because Sammy Watkins is an unbelievably talented wide receiver, but they need to be able to unlock that. And so it would be really beneficial if Aaron Rodgers spent a lot of time trying to work with him because there could be something special here. Nope, nope. Every minute spent with these garbage number three um, rookies and this veteran retread Sammy Watkins would be invaluable. Again, this is a giant temper tantrum. We're listening to like a 70-year-old dude throw a temper tantrum. I don't know how old he actually is, but whatever. Continuing on, quote, and this is via an NFL GM. And and listen, this is why Bob McGinn is valuable. But but you got to understand, again, I think people get too wrapped up in, in all bad or all good, right? PFF is stupid or PFF is great. No, PFF is useful for certain things. Bob McGinn is in the good old boys club. He's in with these guys that this is how they, you know, again, you listen to the quotes from the scouts and everything else. They all talk this way. They, they talk down to people. They're, they're crass and they're just, they're from just this apparently a different era. And he fits in with them. He's one of the good old boys. And so he does get information. He does have, and this is why he does a great job. When he does mock drafts, he's one of the best at it. Why? Because he has NFL GM's phone numbers. So he can get an idea of who people like and don't like. When he does these articles and says this NFC scout doesn't like this guy or that guy and this AFC scout really likes him, he knows what team that is because he talked to him. So if you talk to a Baltimore Ravens scout who's really high on somebody and you talk to a Green Bay Packers scout who's really low on somebody, granted the scouts aren't the ones necessarily making the calls, but it's a little bit of inside information for you to be able to do your mock drafts to say, I don't think the Packers are taking him there because I talked literally to a Packers scout who scouts for that region and says the guy's a bum. Good chance they don't draft him. Doesn't mean you know. I mean, everybody's mock drafts are are way more misses than hits. But again, that's how you get to do that kind of stuff. So this is why he's useful. And this is why I will continue to, you know, so many people, well, he's terrible. You should never read his stuff. No, I'm going to because it's useful. But that doesn't mean the guy's flawless either. This article is useless. And again, he laid out in the first three, four, five paragraphs why this is useless. He declared to everybody, just so you know, this is not me just unloading useful information. This is me unloading my emotions and throwing a temper tantrum. But anyways, this is via an NFL GM. Quote, you're dealing with a very temperamental, passive-aggressive quarterback. It's funny that Bob McGinn felt the need to put that in his article because he is a very emotional, temperamental, passive-aggressive journalist. Anyways, continuing, don't be surprised if 12 doesn't bail out of this thing. I'm not saying he will. I haven't heard anything that he will. But if he looks at this... And what's he got to work with? I hate when they do direct quotes. I have a hard enough time reading as it is, and it's like, this isn't even a sentence. But if he looks at this and what he's got to work with, you're only Houdini for so long. At what point is it just too much? Offensively, they're going to struggle. So let me just explain to you what's going on here. And I am going to be arrogant and just tell you what's happening. Although I wasn't there because I know exactly what's happening. Again, good old boys club sitting back smoking stogies. Do you know why Bob McGinn is really freaking out right now? He's parroting what the talking points are in this community. He's a part of this community that's talking about the Packers need wide receivers, the Packers need wide receivers. And so they start building out narratives. This isn't, he even, the the GM, whoever this is, 
went on to say, I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm just thinking through things, essentially, if this was me. So he's going through this fantasy that they've been building for five years that has no basis in reality. And that's not to say Aaron Rodgers doesn't just, wouldn't just love to be stacked with wide receivers and everything else, but they have no idea what his mental headspace is. By the way, um, I forgot to mention it, the whole thing about Aaron Rodgers not going to voluntary offseason program, I'm pretty sure that's not correct. I don't know why he wrote that, because I'm pretty sure he did show up. But anyways, before everybody starts messaging me about that, um, yeah, I got it. So even his slam against Rodgers is just not correct. But speaking of not living in reality, this is meant to, and, and again, this is meant to be like, here is, here is the journalisming. This is me doing the journalisms. I found a source and it's an NFL GM. It's a great source. Yeah, but your source is just talking. This isn't information. This is just you hanging out with a buddy. And he's like, dude, friggin' Aaron Rodgers, dude, he's going to be so mad. I bet he just bails. Like, really? Like, well, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying if it was me, pfft need a wide receiver, bro. And they keep leaning on you. And again, this is all fake. This is all just made up. This is all just sitting in smoke-filled rooms, just talking. And Bob's just parroting this stuff. They're living in these circles. It's, it's NFL personnel guys, but also media guys. And most of these guys are just, they're, they're, they're more old school. A lot of them are out of the league. This says NFL GM, meaning current. But a lot of these guys are just, they're, you know, I guess the point I'm trying to make is they're not as good of a source as it seems. It's not as impressive as you'd think. How much time do they spend studying the Green Bay Packers and their, their organization and all this stuff? A lot of the information they get is from the news anyways, and so they believe a lot of what the national media says about how Aaron Rodgers is just this temperamental guy who's on the way out. I mean, think about it. As a fan that has been paying attention, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, it's the offseason. You, you are the type of fan that lives and breathes Green Bay Packers. You absorb every amount of information that's out there. You've been paying attention the last year. How absurd does it feel to you that Aaron Rodgers wouldn't finish the season, that he's going to say, I don't want to play because you didn't do enough at wide receiver? This GM doesn't realize what you realize, and Bob McGinn apparently doesn't either. He's getting his information from people that know less about the Packers than Bob McGinn does. It's just, it's such a weird circular thing. But again, there is an elitism to this, to not listen to what the personnel and the major media people are saying. And, and I think this is a Bukowski thing as well. There's a condescension to it all. It's not about what's the most rational as a person who's living this from day to day. It's a matter of, I am a part of the elite club and this is what the elite club says. So I'm going to do and say and think and parrot what they say. And when there is a discrepancy between what they say and what you say, I'm clearly going to take their side and then I'm going to condescend to you because you are the lay people. You are the little people. You don't understand our higher thinking. You're not a part of the elite club. You, you are the, the, the stupid plebes, which is hilarious considering what I've read to you, which is the most inarticulate, thoughtless nonsense. And, and again, it, the fact that it comes from, this sounds to me like somebody that just started a blog and just started spewing garbage. And you look at it and go, this is like an 18-year-old who, um, you know, someday he'll know how to think and write. But um, that, is, that, that is not this day. But at least then it's like you're an angry 18-year-old dude throwing a fit. You're stupid. Best of luck to you. Got a lot of learning and growing up to do. But no, this is Bob McGinn. So again, this is a useless paragraph. Some GM is, is out there thinking that things are, are different than they actually are, thinking that Brian Gutekunst is embarrassed by this, thinking that Aaron Rodgers is furious, thinking that Aaron Rodgers is going to walk away from the team because he's so mad that um, we don't have wide receivers and that we didn't address wide receiver, which isn't true, but we're just going to pretend that it is. Because again, what I think, 
talking about Bob McGinn and, and the rest of this, these guys, is reality. And what does he think? We didn't address the wide receiver position. Is that true? No, but that's what Bob McGinn thinks. Therefore, it's reality. We did nothing. And everybody, including Aaron Rodgers, acknowledges that Christian Watson is a number three, as is Dobbs and Toure and, I mean, at best, and Lazard and Amari and all these guys. And nobody can get better and nobody's going to contribute and nobody can do anything. And Aaron Rodgers acknowledges this because what I say is reality and everybody else acknowledges it. And if I was Aaron Rodgers, I would just walk and I would leave. Therefore, it's probably going to happen. I mean, I, I, I love a good intellectual debate, but this is just stupidity, man. Don't be surprised if 12 doesn't bail out of this thing. That's incredible to me. Like, we're going to get into week three, and his wide receiver is going to drop a pass, and he's going to quit football. This is, this is, this is journalism. <laughs> Congratulations. But again, and we're going to... We should probably take a break. We're, we're going to get into it. The point is, he's cherry-picking data to try to prove his point to validate his feelings. This isn't a matter of, I'm going to go fact-finding and find out what the truth is and report it. This isn't a matter of I'm going to give you all the information, the good and the bad, which is what he did in his previous articles. This is, I'm mad, I'm throwing a temper tantrum, and I'm going to throw everything I have at this and everything that I bring into this article that is, you know, from an outside source to make it seem like I'm a journalist is really just cherry-picking data to make it seem a certain way, to, to validate my feelings, which is incredible to me. But we, we really probably should take a break here. Um, we're kind of just getting started, but... I think this is all we're doing today because I'm just, I'm blown away by this. But it's also important to look at this stuff too, because you got to be able to parse through this stuff because this is seen as objective journalism. And fortunately, I posted this on on Twitter and it seems like everybody can see through it. But you've got people who are using this as evidence. This is proof that I'm correct. Bad draft class. And you want to know why? (laughs) Man, this is crazy. It probably doesn't help you know, when you look at the national media and their opinion of the Packers, they probably get a lot of their opinions from the main Packers guys. And when, when the main Packers guys, and this is the thing, you look at a lot of other teams, some teams get a lot of respect that they don't deserve. Some teams deserve more respect than they get. But when, when you have one of the guys, and Bob McGinn is one of the most respected journalists in the NFL, period. He just is. Maybe not amongst Packer fans, but you put Bob McGinn's name out there, he's one of the top guys. And when you have other journalists, and as well as NFL personnel guys or whatever, and, and their main source, their main plug-in to Green Bay is Bob McGinn. It's not surprising that there's such a negative slant because this guy is just going around trashing this team 24-7. And when you have the people at the top who are the most toxic, and it's not just him. You got guys like Tom Silverstein that are the same way. And I, you know, I keep hearing people talk about it, and I don't really, I don't really listen to his podcast very often or anything or, or read any of his writings all that much. But I have occasionally. And it, it really is true. You tune into his pod, he hates everything. And again, these are the guys. These are the most respected people in the past. If somebody's going to get inside information, they're going to get it from guys like this. And all the guys at the top are just anti-Packers all the time. Rob Domofsky. I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's just a Packers community thing or what, but they, they are just some of the most toxic, angry Constantly just attacking. You know, again, my, my issues with Rob as far as the way he treats players and stuff. This arrogance, it just, it's just obnoxious. Bob McGinn just hates this team. Tom Silverstein hates everything they've ever done. And it's funny because, you know, I talk about guys like Mr. Negative. And people on, people you, I, I get a, probably the biggest comment I get as far as not liking the show is that I spend too much time talking about the negative fans. And, and people, the reason they say that is because you're talking about 1%, a minority of the fans. Most of us aren't that way. So stop addressing them. 
Maybe you're right. But at the same time, of the very few people that I acknowledge that are like Mr. Negative, the absolute people at the top of Packers media are those guys. Bob McGinn and Mr. Negative would sit down at a bar and have a great time together. They would have a great conversation. They would see one for one. And again, the problem I have with Mr. Negative, I don't say his name because he doesn't really like to be, you know, whatever. Plus, it's fun using little nicknames or whatever. But I, I mean, honestly, and, and, and we mess around, and I know sometimes he just says things to get under my skin, but a lot of the times the reason he gets me so riled up is because he does a terrible job of backing up what he says, and it just gets under my skin. I can't help it. I, I, don't, I don't mind, like Mr. Numberman, he does a good job of backing everything up because he's a numbers guy, and he has mathematics to back up his stuff. And so I'll say things, and they'll throw an article at me, and it's like, well, I, you know, I don't know. Because I'm not just going to blindly trust this, even though I'm sure it's it's backed up by data. But even data, you know, you got to use the right data or, you know, it's, it's hard to verify everything. But it's hard to, to argue with it as well, unless I want to take the time to really dig in myself. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But the point is, he can back it up. And usually, usually what I get from Mr. Negative is just wild, ridiculous statements. Brian Gutekunst is a garbage drafter. Right. And it's like, have you even have you looked into any of the 31 other teams? Because I know you haven't. And so then I start bringing up examples like let's take a look at your your favorite buddy, Bill Belichick, and how he's done. Let's look at the Chiefs. Let's look at this. Look at that. And then let's look at the Packers. How about these guys? Yeah. But what about that one bust? Like, okay, but you're not you're not holding anybody else to that standard. You're holding the Packers to a standard you hold nobody else to. It doesn't make sense. But again, the crazy thing is. Those guys are the Packers media. Not not all of them, not saying all of them. Some of these guys seem better than others, but I would say the top of the top. And Bob McGinn, whether you like it or not, I know he's made some really crass comments that really upset a lot of people, but that is just the reality. He is unbelievably respected around NFL circles, and he hates this team. Tom Silverstein is, is at the top of the top of the top in terms of Packers media. He is an angry, miserable, anti-Packers guy. It's just the reality. And I'm sure he just sees it as being objective, and I wish he would just do, but man, it's, it's just such simplistic stuff. Like, you should have gotten a wide receiver in the first round. Like, come on, man, what are you, 15? What is this? How is this the depth of your NFL understanding? It's crazy. Like, I acknowledge I don't know a lot, and I'm 50 steps ahead of you, dude. You've been doing this this long, and this is the depth of your knowledge and understanding of how this stuff works? These guys should just stop covering this team and go cover the Rams that are just like, dude, I hate picks. We just, we just crush it in free agency. We, we find a need. We give away a first-round pick. We go get that need, baby. Go cover them. You'll enjoy it more. It'll you prolong your life not having to stress about a team that still believes in building through the draft. This archaic view of draft and develop. Ugh. I don't know. I, I just, it, it hurts my brain, but we got to take a break. And I got to try to reset my internet or something. I doubt that's going to work, but we're still not up. And it just, it just sucks. Anyways, why don't we take a break? Uh, remember to check out the GoFundMe pinned to the top of my Twitter to help Drew get his seizure service dog. Thank you very, very much to uh, Mr. Michael Adams for the $10 donation, as well as Dennis Dockery for the $85 donation. Really, really appreciate that. Also, a $100 donation from Seth. I just saw that you gave that on Facebook. I really appreciate that. So altogether, that puts us at $900. So we are getting real close to uh, reaching our goal of getting SIS and really ramping this thing up so that we can get good information and try to provide information because that should be the goal. 
the goal should be to have a, th- and sometimes I just have thoughts. I think this is kind of happening, right? And I talk about it and we go through it, blah, 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 blah. But if I ever dig in and find data that contradicts that, guess what? I'm going to have to change my opinion. It doesn't feel good, but I'm so obsessed with being correct about stuff, I would rather sound stupid and be like, yep, uh, turns out I was an idiot about that. So that my going forward, I can be correct than to sit here with wrong opinions just so I can say, well, this is what I want to be true, therefore, et cetera, et cetera. Can't do that. But anyways, we're going to take a break. I'm going to go upstairs and uh, kick my uh, internet, literally and figuratively, see if either of those things work. And we'll come back and we'll kind of rake through the rest of this silliness. And that'll be it. Take a break. We'll be right back. All right. Let's, uh, let's try to power our way through this here as much as it just annoys me. And again, I, I don't... Well, whatever. We're just going to read the next paragraph here. It's all kind of just saying the same thing. It's not very well thought out emotion. The Packers needed wide receivers in the worst way. Again, this is this is Bob McGinn's opinion. First of all, and, and this is lazy media nonsense. The idea that like the need at wide receiver is a 10 out of 10 and every other every other need is like a two. The only thing you need is a wide receiver. There is no question the Packers needed an inside linebacker. And, and I really want to go on a tangent about that. I was just thinking it while I was upstairs kicking my, ooh, did it work? Oh, we got the internet back soon. Looks like you guys get a podcast early. How about that stuff? Maybe, maybe not. There it is. Now we got it. All right. I want to go on that, but we're going to have to save that tangent for another day. The, the thought about the analytics versus just, <sighs> I wish I had the ability to think things and not say, I can't let it go. What do you do when the analytics say you shouldn't take a linebacker, but your defensive coordinator, when you ask him what could transform this defense the most, how do we get to be the most dominant defense in football? And he looks you dead in the face and says, give me a second inside linebacker. What do you do? Sorry, the data says it's a bad idea. I'm freaking telling you as your defensive coordinator, if you want this to be the best defense in football, you go get me a guy that can do the, well, well, wait until the third round. No, there is no Quay Walker in the third round. I'm sorry to tell you that. What do you do? I think it's a valid question. We can explore that on another day, but I wanted to at least get it out there. So again, the Packers needed wide receiver in the worst way. Instead, and again, we did address it. We got three wide receivers in this draft. Three offensive linemen. Our biggest needs were offensive line and wide receiver, and we got six of those at two positions, essentially. But not in the first round. Oh, I want to just punch something. Not Bob. Not talking about violence here. I'm just saying like a, a, an inanimate object. An inanimate object. Jeez, I'm as bad at podcasting as this guy is at being a journalist. Can't speak. Instead, I just, it's so hard to read this. I do this for you. I do this for you. Instead, Gutekunst used his premium choices. And again, remember, the only thing in the world that matters to people that are really not smart is first-round picks. That's it. Second-round, third-round, fourth-round, fifth-round, sixth-round, seventh-round, undrafted free agency, free agency. It's all useless. It's useless. First-round picks. That's it. It's the only thing that matters. They never miss. They are elite. Second and beyond, garbage. This is, this is how thinking works. Instead, Gutekunst used his premium choices on an inside linebacker, a defensive tackle, and a developmental wide receiver from F- FCS North Dakota State. So again, right, <laughs> he's got to dance around the fact that we basically got a first-round wide receiver. We, we did. We tried, uh, supposedly, to trade up into the first round. The, the, the bottom line is, they would have been comfortable taking him in the first round. 
They just liked these guys more, and then they tried to trade back up into the first round. Nobody wanted to give them that spot, so they got up as quickly as they could and took him anyway. So we got three first-round guys. We got a linebacker, defensive tackle, and a wide receiver. But because Bob is so hell-bent on throwing a temper tantrum, he has to, as soon as he brings up the fact that we we got a wide receiver two picks into the second round, he has to immediately throw this guy under the bus. Just trash him every single which way he can. So before he even says the man's name, let's look at the, the litany of things he puts out beforehand. The very first thing he says, so he says a defensive tackle and a, what is the very first thing he says? Developmental wide receiver from FCS North Dakota State. Didn't even say the man's name. Developmental wide receiver from FCS North Dakota State. He lays that out there so that even if you even think about mentioning that we got a wide receiver, I'm just going to throw this guy immediately under the bus. He's useless. He's garbage. He's trash. Neither Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, nor Christian Watson was a significant producer in college. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm, I, when I'm telling you that I feel physical pain, that is not an exaggeration. I feel, oh, you know, of all the things you can knock, not a producer in college. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, and and he doesn't even elaborate on that. The, the next sentence is the last time the Packers drafted a player as high as Watson slot number 34 from a small school was 45 years ago. So now, so this is the, oh, I can't see. This is what drives me. Nuts. I can't stay on task because he can't stay on task. And I start chasing every freaking rabbit down every freaking rabbit hole. Again, didn't elaborate. I'm not a producer. If these guys are anything, they're producers. Christian Watson, yes, he's from the FCS. The problem with him being from North Dakota State is the fact that despite the fact that he was unbelievably productive, despite the fact that he was dominant in this program that is a run-only offense, his yards per route run metrics are through the roof. Unbelievably dominant. But it's FCS. But to say he's not a significant producer, mind-blowing. Devontae Wyatt is not a producer. Listen, my big board is based on nothing but production. That's all it is. It's, it's, it's probably not a very good metric because it's primarily just looking at things like production. He's number one on the entire freaking defensive tackle board because of his production. Run defense, pass rush. That's it. He was the best defensive tackle on my board, which is based on production. What in the good heavens, sir, are you freaking talking about? Quay Walker wasn't a producer. What? What? Because there were two other linebackers that played a bunch and he didn't start as much. He played a ton. And of course he was productive. What do you, what does that even mean? The two guys played in freaking Georgia, the best defense in football. What do you want them to produce? What does that even mean? Ah, I can't even begin to imagine what that sentence means. It's like he's so blinded by anger. He blacks out and puts in garbage. And then again, this is, it's amazing to me. And listen, I, I, I keep talking about Mr. Negative. I, I really like him. I really do. It, it's, I, I would borderline say he's a friend of mine at this point. We talk basically every day. He's a, he's a good dude. I just, I, I, I'm, we're not on the same page with the way we think. But it's baffling to me that every single thing about what he's saying sounds exactly like Mr. Negative. He, he'll say something and then he'll just go on to the next thing. Like, wait a minute. How did we get here? You talked about him being developmental. Then you immediately jump to, he's not a producer. And it's like, well, wait a minute, let's talk about that. And then without blinking in the same paragraph, very next sentence, we're talking about, well, the last time we drafted a guy this high in Watson slot 34, which by the way, now we're talking about how high we drafted a wide receiver. I thought we didn't use our draft capital in our board to get a wide receiver early. Now, all of a sudden he's getting knocked for drafting a wide receiver too early from a small school. But again, this, this is how it's just it's just a jumble of feelings and emotions and contradictions and just all this stuff. Just I'm just trying to throw everything at the wall to see what sticks, even if half of it contradicts the other thing. Now we get knocked because we drafted him too high from a small school. The last time we did it was 45 years ago. So what? What does that even mean? It hasn't been done in a long time. Therefore, it's a bad decision. How often do NDSU small school guys get drafted? Very rarely because they're small school guys. So why would you expect it to be recent? Small school guys don't generally get drafted very high. And, and, and by the way, you can play this exact same game from the opposite perspective. The Packers in particular don't generally draft small school guys. 
The NFL generally doesn't draft small school guys. Same thing you could do with old age and every other kind of red flag thing. But they did it this time, didn't they? What does that tell you about what they think about this particular prospect? They feel he's different. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done it. Maybe they're wrong, but again, we can play this game from both sides. They haven't done it in a long time, but they did it this time, didn't they? But we're not doing that because we're not trying to have an intellectual discussion. We're not trying to think things through. We're just trying to exude pouting into the universe, just polluting the air with pouting. Every paragraph is just like a freaking hot iron in my eye. Have you ever seen um, Under Siege 2? Under Siege is just a fantastic movie. It's so good. But the second one, remember they get that like hot iron? I don't know if it was a soldering iron or what, but it was, it was basically that. And they're trying to get the codes. And you need each, each person, because you need two people to simultaneously enter codes, and each one has their own code. It's, it's, a, it's a password protection thing. And he's trying to hack into some system, and he can't get it without both passwords. And so he threatens the other person because these two kind of like each other. You know, it's one of those things, kind of inappropriate things going on there between coworkers, whatever. He holds this thing right up to, I don't remember which one it was, if it was her eye or his eye. I think it was his eye. And she, she gave in and gave the codes. And then, then he was in. Then he had launch codes for, he could send missiles anywhere he wanted. He like blew up a plane and stuff. It's crazy. But that's what this feels like. He's sticking that needle in my eye. And you know what he says? He says, what'll happen is because there's so much fluid in your eye, your eye will actually explode. So it sounds painful. And it is. It's very painful. I'm telling you because I'm experiencing it as I read this. I'm, I'm trying to do the next paragraph, but I can, I can see what the first few words are. And it's like, I, don't, I can't do this. Armed with 11 picks. That's all I've read so far. And it just makes me sick to my stomach because I know, I know where this is going, right? He had an arsenal. He had all these picks and he got nothing out of it. Armed with 11 picks, including the first round choice number 22 and the second round choice number 53 from the Raiders in a trade for Adams, Gutekunst had the wherewithal basically to do whatever he wanted to do in the first round. Boy, oh boy, he was loaded. He really could have helped this team if he wasn't such a dunce. Given the urgent win-now need at wide receiver, again, if you say wide receiver one more time, I'm going to freaking strangle you. I'm just so sick of hearing wide receiver. You four-year-old. The obsession, it just melts my brain. Given the urgent win-now need at wide receiver, the Packers all but ruled out Jamison Williams because of his reconstructed knee that probably will sideline him for at least half the season. God forbid. Their quarry, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, and Chris Olave, went numbers 8, numbers 10, and numbers 11. In the weakened NFC, the Packers really are a team that's one player away from winning it all. And this is, this is the other thing that... <laughs> We're one player away from winning it all. We had Devontae Adams on this team for how many years? And we didn't win it all. And you guys were still complaining back then. You were not happy back then. This is, how I, this is how you know this is all nonsense. This is about never being satisfied. We were one player away. So you mean like if we had a guy like Devontae, we would be locks to win the Super Bowl, right? That's what you're saying. But that's what this is ultimately about, is, is feeling like, man, if we could just get a wide receiver. But, but just, I just want to illustrate to you how silly that thought process is. Again, we're not thinking here. We're one wide receiver away from winning it all. We had... <laughs> <sighs> This is so, and, and again, the fact that some people use this article as proof that, see, I, I had every right to be upset. Here, look, here's information. This is the worst thing I've read. I don't know, probably not ever, but this is brutal. This is painful. 
The Saints, a non-playoff team in 2021, now led by a new coach, traded up from number 16 to number 11 to secure Olave. Again, that was one of the dumbest things that happened in this entire draft. But again, Bob McGinn, guys like that, they don't care. They don't care. They want wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. When Again, when, when the Dallas Cowboys got their third wide receiver in the first round, CeeDee Lamb, that was the greatest thing that's ever happened. Just go get weapons. Go get exciting guys. Don't get offensive linemen. Don't get linebackers. Don't get defensive tackles. Those are boring. Who needs a stupid tackle? That's stupid. That's boring. We want excitement. Give me a quarterback and a wide receiver. Give me a quarterback and eight wide receivers. Let's. We don't even need an offensive line. You get enough wide receivers and we can just get the ball out of our hand quick enough. We don't even need it. Let's just do it. Wide receiver. It was stupid. By the way, Warren Sharp is the guy that... Uh, Thank you to uh, Packers superfan on Twitter who found this, the thing that I was referencing. Here's what Warren Sharp pointed out. Don't tell Bob McGinn because Bob McGinn thinks the Saints are brilliant. The Saints are stupid. They need to slow down. They need to rebuild, but they refuse to not go, quote unquote, all in. And by all in, it just means be reckless and stupid. Here's what he says. This is absolutely insane. In order to draft wide receiver Chris Olave, offensive tackle Penning, and a sixth, the Saints gave up picks that amount to the following. A.J. Brown, Jahan Dotson, Brian Robinson, Sam Howell, Cole Turner, Kyron Johnson, a 2023 first, and a 2024 second round pick. So they 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 told he he listed the compensation in terms of what those picks were, but let me just give you the picks. This is in order to get Chris Olave, Trevor Penning, and um, pick number 194, Jordan Jackson. 2023 first round pick, 2024 second round pick, 2022 first round pick, 2022 uh, third round pick, 2022 fourth round pick, third round pick, uh, 2022 pick number 149, a 2022 first round pick, a 2022 pick 101, a 2022 pick 237, and 2022 pick 188. All those picks, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It took them 10 picks to get Olave Penning and this pick 194. And we're talking about one two, three first-round picks. We're talking about one second-round pick, maybe. Three first-round picks, a second-round pick, a couple thirds, fourths, and fifths to get Olave, Trevor Penning, and Jordan Jackson. This is being praised by the man who's throwing a temper tantrum about the Packers' draft. This is an example of, of a great GM. This is an example, a team that lost their head coach, that lost their quarterback, that has no chance of succeeding, that is refusing to slow down, that is instead trading 10 picks and turning 10 picks into three picks, and the first of which being Chris Olave, a wide receiver who is widely regarded as maybe his ceiling being Calvin Ridley, who's a good wide receiver, no question, but that's his ceiling, Calvin Ridley. And by the way, Trevor Penning? You, you just crucified the Green Bay Packers for taking a small school guy in the second round. They took Trevor Penning at pick 19. A small school, raw, developmental, because that's just the word we say, apparently for small school guys, offensive tackle. And this is, this is another key thing about these sort of anti-Packers people. They don't hold the Packers to the same standard as everybody else. Everybody else gets a pass. If you throw 10 picks away to get Olave, Penning, and Jackson, you're a genius. If you use a pick 19 to get a small school tackle, that's genius. If the Packers use pick 34 to satisfy this oh-so-important need, being aggressive, 
using your draft capital, working your board to go up and get the most athletic wide receiver in this class, one of the most athletic wide receivers in NFL history, you're an idiot because he went to an FCS school. This is an example of what Bob McGinn thinks is great GMing. The Lions, 3-13-1 a year ago, advanced from number 32 to number 12 to grab Williams. So what? So what? What does that mean? Williams is that guy? Again, Williams is a number one. Watson is not even a number two. Okay, bud. Okay, bud. Then he goes on to quote Brian Gutekunst, because, you know, we're trying to be objective here. Let's see what Gutekunst says. You know, I think we went through some scenarios. There were some conversations and stuff, Gutekunst said, in his typical halting fashion after the first round. Again, he can't even say these people's names without just every single person he's mentioned, he's, he's disparaged. He disparaged both of our first-round picks. He's disparaged our second-round pick multiple times. He's disparaged Brian Gutekunst. He's disparaged Aaron Rodgers. He has not mentioned one human being that is a Green Bay Packer without disparaging them. Quote, I think at the end of the day, you know, we have four picks in the first two rounds, and we felt really good about sitting and picking. We certainly explored some options. There was a little run on receivers there, and once that happened, I think we were kind of like thought we would stay and pick. So what he's telling you is your assumptions are incorrect. They didn't feel the need to go up into the top 10 or, or around 10 to get these wide receivers. There was a, a range in which they felt comfortable going up, but not that much because they're not that good. But according to McGinn, it doesn't matter. Just go do it. It doesn't matter the cost. You need this wide receiver. It doesn't matter if you value him as like the number 20 overall pick and he went at 11. Get him at eight. I don't care. I want it. And you didn't do it. It's crazy. Goes on to say, Jahan Dotson, who went number 16 to the Commanders, was too small for the Packers. In the end, they decided Traylon Burks wasn't worth trading up to number 18. The slot Burks was drafted by the Titans. They traded up with the Eagles to make the pick. That's correct, Bob. That's correct. They didn't think Burks was worth it to even go up to 18. Once they saw the run of wide receivers, which is probably the one that you listed earlier, 8, 10, and 11, they decided, nah, we're just going to stay put. That's what Brian Gutekunst is telling you. And you don't like that. At the start of business Friday night, the Packers had keen interest in three wide receivers, George Pickens, Alec Pierce, and Watson. Like Williams, John Mechie was coming off an ACL tear. The Packers regarded Sky Moore as too small. Pickens, who returned from an ACL tear of his own to play the final four games last season, was regarded by two personnel directors as the most talented wide receiver in the draft, albeit one with some issues related to maturity. Pierce was compared by more than one scout as a faster, less aisle Jordy Nelson. And you notice what else is happening here? Every single person that he mentions that is not a Packer is great. Every single one of these first-round wide receivers he regarded as a first-round pick. Every single second-round wide receiver we didn't pick, he's giving glowing reviews. This is just a biased person who hates the Packers and everything they do, and he tries to disparage everything they do. It is so painfully obvious. Pickens, he does mention his injury, but what does he say about him? Regarded by two personnel directors as the most talented wide receiver in the draft. Pierce was Jordy Nelson. We got Christian Watson. (laughs) Here's what I know. If we had drafted Pickens, if we had traded up and gotten Pickens in that spot, he would be doing the same thing. Pickens has character issues. He has injury issues. And all the while, we have Christian Watson just sitting there. He would have done the same thing. Having had all day and all night to plot their next move, the Packers traded their two second-round draft choices, number 53 and 59, to the Vikings and selected the small school Watson. Again, he can't do it. He can't say the man's name without prefacing it with something negative. The small school Watson at pick 34 over Pickens and Pierce from college football playoff teams. Again, everybody else would have been great. Anybody in the first round would have been great. Anybody in the second round not named Christian Watson would have been great. 
Gutekunst, a longtime Southeast Area scout, ended up picking nine players from Power Five conferences, one of the Mountain West, one from the Mountain West, and Watson out of the Missouri Valley. Incidentally, six of the Packers' eleven draftees spent five years in college. Spent uh, four spent four years, and one, Sean Ryan, spent just three. Devontae Wyatt was the only pick that also played in junior college. This year marked the sixth game, uh, sixth time in Gutekunst's five drafts that he traded up, and his history doesn't suggest genius at work. I mean, what? <sighs> We were doing fine. We made it through like two paragraphs with him just saying information, and it was fine. Like, this is just just numbers. I'm sure he's trying to be disparaging somehow, but it's like, all right, whatever. It's just interesting information. But again, he can't say Brian Gutekunst's name without saying something negative. Have you noticed that? I mean, I know I've pointed it out, but but have you noticed? I've never once said Brian Gutekunst's name or Christian Watson's name or anybody's name without something disparaging. This year marked the sixth time in Gutekunst, so there's the name, five drafts that he traded up, and his history doesn't suggest genius at work. Why? Why? Because it's just information? No, it's not. His best move was in 2018 with his selection of Jair Alexander at number 18, but after first trading down, he lost the chance to draft Derwin James, number 17 of the Chargers. James Well might be the NFL's finest safety. Alexander might well be the top five cornerback. What are you even trying to say with this? I mean, you're trying to disparage Brian Gutekunst and kind of disparage Jair, but then also praise Jair, which in a sense is praising Brian Gutekunst. But you're trying to disparage Brian Gutekunst by saying Alexander, but you're saying that's his best pick, but also it was, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's a word salad. He's, 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 this is technically supposed to be kind of a compliment. Like, this is his best pick. But even within that, he's, he's back and forth between, like, he, he got Jair, but Derwin James, and Derwin James is even better, but Jair is probably the best. But he can't get through a paragraph without trying to twist it as much as he possibly can. And I'm not going to sit here and disparage Derwin James. He's a good safety. But I would say he's no more than on par with Jair. And he also left out the part where we got an additional first-round pick out of that, which turned into Darnell Savage. Gutekunst traded forward for Oren Burks in the third round of 2018, safety Darnell Savage with the first round in 2019, quarterback Jordan Love in the first round of 20, and wide receiver Zamari Rogers in the third round of 21. Burks was a bust. Rogers looks like a bu- uh yeah, uh, Rogers looks like a bust. Again, I'm trying I'm trying to be good about like or I get it, man. Oren was bad, right? The, the whole third round, anybody you bring up in the third round has been pretty bad so far. Jordan Love, we don't know, but haven't seen positive things. But then when you say Rodgers looks like a bust, dude, again, eight targets, eight targets, eight targets, eight, eight targets. He has had eight targets, eight times. This guy has had no role in our offense, and everybody's calling him a bust. And the fact that Bob McGinn doesn't know better is such an embarrassment to him. And listen, I'm, I'm not going to just give him the benefit of the doubt. Well, he does know better. He just, no, 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 BS. This is what you put on paper, then this is what I assume you know. This is the extent of your knowledge as, 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 a, as a football mind. And this is an embarrassment. It doesn't take very long into, into your understanding of how the NFL works and how Green Bay in particular works to understand that Amari basically redshirting the first year as a rookie has no bearing on how good of a player he is. Again, we went through it with A.J. Dillon. We went through it with Rashawn Gary. They bring people along slowly. It doesn't mean he's great but we don't have enough information about Amari yet. I'll even concede Jordan Love. I don't even care anymore. It's not worth fighting it anymore. The fact that we haven't seen enough to fully judge him, don't even care anymore. What we've seen in his like two games has been bad, despite the fact that Justin Fields had an entire season of being bad, and, and you got guys like Josh Allen 
who had two entire seasons of being garbage before he broke out. I don't even care about the Jordan Love thing anymore. I don't even need to argue that anymore. I'm not going to sit here and talk about maybe if he had two full years in his third year or even one full year. Who knows? Maybe the guy can develop. I don't care about that anymore. Go ahead and call him a bust. It doesn't matter. It's one freaking pick. It's not even worth fighting over. So yes, Oren Burks, a, a third, and, and again, the whole thing about holding people to different standards, all I have to do is find one other GM or, you know, 31 other GMs because I can that have this many that, that I can say all this about. Can I find a third round pick on every single team's recent draft that busted out like Oren Burks did? I would be stunned if there's one that I can't. Well, I'm talking about trading up. What, what is the difference? What does that matter? It's an irrelevant factoid, especially considering you just conceded Jair was one of them. But, but, but again, this, this is the level of, of thinking here where there's some kind of a, a correlation between trading up and being a bad pick. I mean, Oren Burks was a bad pick. Darnell Savage had like a bad year. He also had a great year the year before. Jordan Love, we don't have enough information, but I'm, again, I'll concede it. I don't care. Amari Rogers, absolutely not. This is, again, he's supposed to be an objective journalist. He, he is just the lowest level of fan. That's all there is to he he is just like a, a diehard fan that likes to complain, who hides behind some kind of journalism thing. Complaining about Amari Rogers is a litmus test. It really is. For for just basic competence and understanding of how these things work. If if you have a low expectation of him becoming great, well, no kidding. That's my general stance on every single player. And he has done nothing to change that opinion, of course. And maybe it's because people get too excited about draft prospects to begin with. You know, like there was such high expectations about Amari that people stupidly thought he was going to come in and just be this elite player day one. And then when that doesn't happen, I throw a temper tantrum. I'm not entirely sure. I doubt that was Bob because Bob has never liked anything the Packers have ever done. He says, Savage has been adequate three-year starter and Love has been unimpressive in limited exposure. So, okay, agreed. Love has limited exposure. Savage has been adequate. um, And Rodgers looks like a bust is stupid. He's had less exposure than love. So we don't know about Rodgers. We don't know about love. Savage has been decent. Um, Jair was a great pick and uh, Burks was not. This, this is, this is worthy of putting in your article. And, and what are we trying to prove? Again, what is the relevance of any of this? The point is to tell you that Gutekunst is an idiot. Why does that need to be in your article? As though the, again, as though it makes even a shred of sense to say when he trades up, he does a bad job. And you, and then you did not even back that up with any information that's useful. Someone in the organization must have fallen in love with Watson. Maybe, maybe I'm just being too sensitive now, but, but again, the implication here is staggeringly someone. Yeah, maybe the entire team loved him because he's a good football player. Is that possible? No, of course it's not possible because Watson's garbage and everybody knows it. But there must have been one voice in there that just wouldn't stop and somebody fell for it. Maybe it was a coach. <laughs> Again, like, it's, it, I'm, I'm trying so hard to think, how could this happen? How could this possibly happen? This atrocity. Maybe it was a coach. My rankings generally reflect the, reflect the vote of 16 evaluators that I polled on the leading receivers in the last few weeks leading to the draft. Of the nine wide receivers that, vote, that received votes, Watson wasn't one of them. My ranking had him at number 11. And again, this is the part where I didn't like him, so it just... You know, nothing else matters. But we'll, we'll get into this whole personnel thing in a minute. If the Packers hadn't made their reactionary move 19 slots up the board, they could have waited for Watson to be taken and then quickly traded up for all the... I hate this so much. I hate this. Number one, it's, it's, it's strategizing after the fact. This person would have made it. You don't freaking know that. 
But then beyond that, again, it's it's we're not even engaging with the possibility that the Packers disagree or that maybe you're wrong and the Packers are right. That's not even up for debate right now. What we know, according to Bob, is that this was the 11th best wide receiver. He's trash. Nobody liked him except except one random coach on Green Bay staff. This is where we're at right now with Bob's thought process because it's so outlandish and outrageous. This is the only thing that could possibly be true. And and it was a reactionary move to move up 19. It wasn't a, a, a thought-out thing. It wasn't that they had all day to think about it. It wasn't that they were trying to get back into the first round the day before. None of that. It's not because the entire staff loved him and that they thought he would be the best fit. It's none of those things. It's not about the fact that he was the best wide receiver at the Senior Bowl. None of that. It's one random coach who freaked out, and then Gutekunst is panicking, and so he goes up 19 spots because apparently he just forgot Pickens and Pierce are there, who are better wide receivers, that went later. And again, the whole strategizing thing about if you had just waited, you could have gotten them. They could have gotten them when they traded up. They didn't want to because they wanted Watson. I don't know why that's so hard for you to acknowledge. They wanted him more than Pierce, more than Pickens. If Gutekunst hadn't been so impatient, he could have followed the selection of Pierce at number 53 with Brian Cook at 59. He went 62 to the Chiefs, a hard-nosed, strong safety with speed. The Packers viewed Cook as an ideal successor to 29-year-old Adrian Amos. It's funny because this is just random. Then you could have got a safety. Are you just reading off a mock draft you did that you thought was the best mock draft in the world or what? What, what is the relevance of this? Like, what, well, well, it's not just me. The Packers loved him. Really? Because the Packers didn't pick him. It's so weird to try to back up your stance of what the Packers did wrong by what the Packers would have loved to do, despite the fact that they didn't do it. What is this even? What are we talking about at this point? Jeez. In the last three days, three executives in personnel for NFL teams reviewed the Packers draft at length. Much of the background information also comes from interviews with GMs, personnel directors, and scouts in the last two months. There was considerable praise among scouts for some of the Packers selections. Certainly, Gutekunst needed a good draft, and this might be it. The heck does that mean? Under Gutekunst, the Packers have drafted 24 players in rounds 4-7. to seven. His best picks were Valdez, Scantling, John Runyon, Royce Newman, and Kingsley Kiki. Not one of those 24 picks has become established as a solid starter. <laughs> Oh, boy. Just a ray of freaking sunshine. I want to invite this guy to my next family function. I'm not even, gonna, I'm not even like a third of the way through this. But anyways, he goes on um, kind of ranting and raving kind of like this. But then he goes through and does the thing that he's done like three times before. He's getting a lot of mileage out of this. He goes through each pick and then kind of goes through what people said about him. One of the main narratives, at least about Quay Walker, is it's, it's just this fake rumor that he was going up the boards. That never happened. Nobody in NFL circles actually liked the guy that much. It's, it's fake news. Didn't happen. That's just Packer fans making up stuff after the fact that he was actually always going to be a first-round pick. Nonsense. Never was going to be a thing. Let me just read a couple of uh, updates. And I, this is coming from all over the place. I, was, I, I, I had a bunch of notes, and then I got rid of them because I decided not to do it. But th- there's more than just this. But I know this is one resource here. Um, via Todd McShay on Twitter. Georgia linebacker Quay Walker has reportedly uh, been receiving higher grades than teammate N'Kobe Dean by some teams. This was April 4th. Goes on to say it's surprising because Walker, 6'4", 241, has often been somewhat overshadowed by his fellow Bulldog N'Kobe Dean. It's not surprising. Uh, It's not that surprising as Dean won the Butkus Award, giving the nation's best linebacker, but apparently some scouts have Walker as the better prospect. That is probably uh, predicated on his superior athleticism to Dean. As he is just as fast while being five inches taller and 12 pounds heavier. Dean's intellect and instincts wow coaches, but many will say uh, these things can be taught, blah, blah, blah. 
Continuing, this is via NFL.com. NFL.com's Tom Pelissero writes, quote, multiple GMs say they won't be shocked if Georgia linebacker Quay Walker is the first linebacker taken in this year's draft. Excuse me. This is directed at Bob McGinn and Peter Bukowski, by the way, who said that this is fake. This never happened. Multiple GMs say they won't be shocked via Tom Pelissero if Quay Walker is the first linebacker taken in this year's draft. They continued on to say Walker ran the fastest 40-yard dash amongst linebackers and had 25 quarterback pressures to go with 67 tackles as a member of Georgia's national championship winning defense. Pelissero adds that it would be wouldn't be surprising if Walker isn't taken in the first it would be surprising if Walker isn't taken in the first round, even if he isn't the first linebacker off the board, saying, quote, there's just too much value and upside for him to be available in day two. So I'm sorry, it's not Packers fans and their revisionist history that are trying to go back and pretend that he was rising up the boards and was a first-round pick. This was April 26, which came 22 days after we first started hearing that he's actually higher, has higher regards than N'Kobe Dean. And again, multiple GMs saying he's going to go in the first round. Then April 28th, Georgia linebacker Quay Walker now has the second highest odds to be the first linebacker drafted on points bet uh, at one plus 120. Only Utah's Devin Lloyd has higher odds than Walker, who has risen up pre-draft. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 slow down. He has not risen up pre-draft boards. Let me read this again, but just so you know, um, content warning here. This, this is fake news. Who has risen up the pre-draft ranks as of late. Earlier this week, NFL.com's Tom Pelissero wrote that multiple James, ah, that fake news, uh, we're not reading that. Walker's strong showing at the NFL scouting combine has also helped drive the hype. No, that's fake. I shouldn't be reading that. This is all. This is all going to be censored. Uh, last season at Georgia, Walker. No, I'm not reading his stats. No, no, fake news didn't happen. He's not driving up the boards. Nobody actually liked this guy. The Packers are stupid. It's fake to think that anybody actually liked this guy. Let me let me read this because this is hilarious. And again, he's basically telling us, and he doesn't realize how bad this is. He's telling us that his information is useless and cherry picked. Both Lloyd, who went number 27 on a trade-up by the Jaguars, and N'Kobe Dean, 83, finished well ahead of Walker in my linebacker poll of 17 scouts. Interesting. Why didn't he get drafted sooner? According to your poll, everybody loved him. According to your poll, nobody really liked this, this linebacker quite as much. Yet, N'Kobe Dean fell, didn't he? It's weird. And then you get to Devontae Wyatt. Again, he can't say anything with the very first sentence. I'm not going to read all this because I'm way over time as it is, but the main issue is Wyatt's behavioral problems. That's how he starts with talking about Devontae Wyatt. That's it. That's how it starts. The main problem with the main problem. That's how it starts. It's amazing to me too, because apparently Watson got a 38 on the Wonderlick, which is incredibly high. And apparently robbed, uh, Bob McGinn really cares about that stuff, but you know, God forbid he praises the guy, but he does say, I mean, you got to go about eight paragraphs down. Watson is brainy, 38 on the Wonderlick, an explosive athlete. He probably has more potential than Alec Pierce, but probably more of a chance to fail. <laughs> Just throw that out there. Anyways, here, here's the final thing I'm going to say, because uh, again, the, the point of this is, yeah, but he's, he's really digging into what the personnel people think. And that's the most, uh, you know, that's the most important part of this, right? What, what do these scouts actually think? Which is funny and contradictory at the same time, because apparently the scouts and the GMs, these are the guys that know the most, right? I'm just a lowly reporter. I don't really know these things. I mean, I do, but I'll, I'll pretend to be humble here for a minute. I don't know these things, but these personnel guys do. And I reached out to the personnel guys and they don't like this. They don't like what? Well, the Packers draft. Who did the Packers draft? Well, I'm, uh, an NFL GM and, and uh, scouting department. You mean like the guys that you've been interviewing, the guys that you say know what they're doing and we should listen to them. 
those guys did this draft and loved these prospects, and you don't care because they're Packers guys, and I care about everybody else's scouts and everybody else's personnel people. But here, here's the bigger issue. When we went through all this stuff, the, the one main observation I had was how funny it is that you get so many wildly different opinions. He's highlighted all the negative opinions, but everybody has negative and positive opinions. If we just go back to the original article, there are a bunch of negative opinions like there is for everybody. He doesn't play as if he knows how to play or play aggressively, said a third scout. He plays like a small school guy that's got some decent tools. He's a fifth-year guy, so I don't know how much upside he has. He's a linear, straight-line, build-up speed guy. I don't see him as a starter, right? There's that kind of stuff. But there's also the guys at the beginning of the paragraph who say positive things. He's a beautifully sculpted mold of clay that's going to have to be developed. He's got the skill set and traits. Wait a minute, I thought the other guy said he doesn't. Unfortunately, he played in an offense that runs the ball and never really showcased his skills, which probably goes back to that original point you made about uh, not being productive. Is that what you're talking about? I don't know. Not really the point. This guy goes on to say he'll be a really good slot receiver in the NFL, which is a weird take I've never heard before. But the point is, really likes the guy. By the way, we can, we can play this game with anybody. All these guys that you said are super, super elite number ones, right? Jamison Williams, quote, he's got some developing to do as a route runner. System will be important to him, uh, will be more important to him than these other guys. And he's coming off an injury, so you don't know if he can bring that same element. There's can't miss prospect Jamison Williams. How about Chris Olave? He has a feel for zone, clean in his routes. He can get vertical and produce against single coverage. Like him as a gunner covering punts, he's not a true round one player. He's a number two to number three wide receiver, more second to third round range. If you want to see more explosion and make, oh, you want to see more explosion and make you miss after the catch. Second to third round receiver, number two, number three type guy. That's Olave. If we choose to cherry pick the negative, right? He dogged Drake London because he has a wonder lick of 19. The final uh, uh, scout on here says he can make acrobatic over the top catches which he has to because he's not that fast. Traylon Burks, you're going to have to develop him a little bit. The concerns are slot only, limited exposure, route running ability, his 40. Jahan Dotson, I don't see what people are making of him. He's just okay. They scheme him open. Average size, average athlete, does everything kind of average. Sky Moore, he's a small slot receiver that doesn't do returns. I don't see an outside receiver because he's not big or fast enough. I just don't see top end speed, not even at the pro day. I saw kind of an average guy. George Pickens, the guy that we should have taken, this great, regarded as one of the best wide receivers in this draft by some people. There's some boomer bust with him, the injury and being sort of coddled at Georgia. There's maybe some football character concern. Suffered a torn ACL in 2021 spring practice and missed the first 11 games. I wouldn't take him in the second round. He's got a big ego. He's not a bad guy. Another guy goes on to say he's got a ton of talent, kind of paraphrasing that. But Georgia receivers never pan out. These are the can't-miss prospects you're talking about. Alec Pierce. I like him, but he certainly doesn't play to his speed. Not explosive. One speed. No burst. It wasn't like they really relied on the guy. He was similar to London in that he was very strong in traffic. Everybody has somebody that says he's not good enough. Everybody has somebody that gushed all over him. Every single personnel department, and and that's the thing, you, you have at the top the glowing reviews. Those guys are going to look at these prospects and like them and probably draft them. The Packers also have their own staff. They have their opinions. They have certain guys that they like and certain guys that they don't like. I'm willing to bet they're one of the teams that was really high on Quay. I'm willing to bet they were one of the teams that was really high on Devontae Wyatt. I'm willing to bet they are one of the teams that's really high on Christian Watson. The fact that some teams were not is irrelevant. The question is ultimately going to be who was right and who was wrong. 
Some people are really high on George Pickens. Some people are not. The Packers were clearly not as high. For whatever reason, I don't know. Could have been character concerns. Could have been maybe that was a a Packers scout that said Georgia guys never pan out, which seems like a silly thing to say, but apparently that's a thing that they say. Again, just pushing me further and further into the numbers community with some of this stupidity. So I I am way over time. I got to get going, but that's that's the point. So he's going to go out and cherry pick all the negative. And granted, he did have him as the 11th wide receiver, so he wasn't super high on him, although he went, what did he go, like 7th? But that, that's the larger point. This was an article about temper tantrums. That, that's all this was. He didn't like it. He, didn't, he wanted them to get a wide receiver in the first, and they didn't. We drafted a linebacker. Not only did he think that we shouldn't have drafted a linebacker, but he didn't like Quay. And by the way, I don't know if he has any opinions. He's largely just leaning on what the NFL community thinks, which again is, is circular because the Packers are in the NFL community. They have scouts. They have a GM. And if that's the respected community, then we should respect their picks. But he doesn't. So I, again, it's circular, and I, it hurts my brain to even think about how he comes to this conclusion, but it doesn't matter. We'll just call it his opinion. Quay was not the right guy, and we shouldn't have taken a linebacker, and we should have taken a wide receiver, and we traded up in the second round for a third round if that wide receiver. This was a disaster of a draft based on a bunch of assumptions that have yet to come true. Maybe they'll come true. Maybe they won't. I don't know. I know for a fact that at least half of the NFL is going to be wildly disappointed with their draft. Probably much more. At least three quarters, I guess. All the hype is going to be for nothing because these guys are not going to pan out the way that we thought. And the Packers certainly have a very high chance of looking back on this draft class and going, well, we were a little bit over-optimistic about that. There's a lot of, I mean, we love 90% of this draft class. There's no way that we hit on both first-round picks and Christian Watson and Robio Dobbs and both of the offensive linemen we got in the mid-rounds and Kingsley Enningbar, or however you say his name. It's just, it's not going to happen. So no question we're being too optimistic. But there's also such a thing as being too pessimistic, and, and, and for no reason. I think the reasonable thing to say is, I see the vision, I like the picks, I, I have a high level of optimism that they should pan out, we'll have to see. Or, I didn't particularly like the pick, I would have gone in a different direction, I don't have a high level of confidence that this is going to pan out, we'll have to see. That's, that, those are the only really two possible situations. This is silliness. This is not journalism. This is just a, 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 a guy throwing a temper tantrum. <sighs> Anyways, I got to go. I really got to go. <laughs> this took forever. It just, it just annoyed me. But anyways, you guys have yourselves a good Thursday, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.